Alright, so you're ready with your... Oh, you have notes. I've got notes. I, managed, I I woke up early. The thing is, I didn't get to watch all of it again, so you're going to have to fill in some gaps at the end. But that's, that's all right. I've got some stuff here. Right. Apparently you do. Are you ready? Mm. Hello and welcome to Filling in the Gaps. I'm Justin. I'm Darren. Today we are going to discuss a movie called Strawberry Mansion. Also known as Don't Give Mark Zuckerberg Any New Ideas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not also known as that, just in Darren's head. This movie is an hour and 31 minutes. Thank goodness any longer. I think it would have really stretched beyond. At that, for me, it is worth watching, though I do have some real issues with the movie, but we will get into that, as always, later in the spoiler section. It is one I would recommend for the visuals alone. Yeah, yeah, that's what captured me when I was watching the trailer in the beginning. This was actually recommended to us by a good friend of the show, Crimson Albedo, as well, so thanks for the tip-off on this. I really enjoyed it. Would you recommend actually watching the trailer now that you've seen... Yeah, I think it's safe to watch it because when I watched the trailer, I thought I was going into this kind of movie, but it wasn't. So the trailer does kind of show you what it's about, but then it tricks you. Yeah, it's not giving you the whole movie. It shows you a lot of the crazy visuals. So if you want to go completely blind into, I don't know what I'm going to see, then maybe don't watch it. I watched... It's a really long trailer. It's about two minutes or two and a half, something... I watched the first minute and stopped and said, I'm already sold. Yeah. There are crazy visuals. I want to see what's going on. So I stopped. So I didn't actually watch the rest of it to know if it gave too much away. This is written and directed by a duo who have made a number of shorter movies, it seems. All right. So the duo, let's get into that. That's Kentucker Audley and Albert Burney. I read through some of the IMDb descriptions of the other movies, and I'm not really interested. I'm interested to see Silvio. Okay, maybe we'll give that one a try at some point. The others, I kind of want to just to know if they're doing this kind of stuff in those. If they are, then maybe it is worth watching. And at like an hour, I can sit through most things for an hour. So it might be worth watching, but I really feel like this one and maybe the other one that you mentioned, they might be the only ones that are really this kind of movie. That's my suspicion. On IMDb, it's got 6.6, which is kind of, for me, just below where the really good watchable stuff is. But on Rotten Tomatoes, critics, like 89 or 88% mm-hmm. positive and 77% positive for the audience. Um, there you have it. I think it's been well received. My personal opinion is that the first section is absolutely fantastic. And then it starts to go a bit long. And it starts to stretch a bit. But overall, it's definitely worth watching once. I'm not sure if it's the type of movie I would watch over and over again. But if you love movies that are crazy visual, crazy, let's just see what we can do with it filmmaking. Well, here you have it. And this is another one where low budget tricks may have actually made the movie better. Yeah, I think so as well. It does take place in Dreams. So that is the reason for a lot of the crazy visuals and the eccentric characters. If you're into, I would think, something like Brazil. Right. Or many other Terry Gilliam films. Well, even Akira Kurosawa's Dreams as well. I got a lot of feelings of that when I was watching this. Have you seen that yet? I'm not sure if I've seen Dreams. We'll have to talk about that after. 
Like I've seen so many films, mm. but I'm not sure if I've seen Dreams. I don't think I've seen that it's one. It's like a bunch of short stories. It's like four or five short shorts, basically. No, I don't think I have then. Very colourful. Yeah, really cool. As far as the movie, I recommend it. I do. Yep, I, yeah. I really liked it. It's definitely the type of movie that we want to be watching. We want to see something that's different. And boy, is it. Yeah. <laughs> So with that, though, I think it's time that we really start talking about it in detail in the spoiler section. So here it is, your spoiler warning. We're going to start the movie in a room where everything is Pepto-Bismol pink. Yes. And it's very funny because I use that exact phrase and in a review I saw on the Roger Ebert website for the movie... Mm -hmm. Exact same phrase. Right. <laughs> it just is that color. And you just can't avoid it if you grew up with that, I think. Right. Everything is this pink. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what kind of pink it was, but yeah, pastel pink. I don't know what kind of pink it is, but. Pepto-Bismol is, I don't know if you It's have like some it. medicine or something like that, isn't it? You basically take it when you have any sort of gastrointestinal issues. Right. It is meant to fix most of them. It is this very it's the chalk, isn't it? It's like chalk in a in a drink form. It's this very distinct pink color, right? And I think that that is great. It makes this stand out as either this is not reality or this is intense reality, right? Yeah. Right away, you know something is strange going on here. But also, it's cheap to get one color and just paint everything, <laughs> everything with it. Yep. He seems to be trapped in a room. Our main character. And he looks in anguish. He's looking for something, but he just can't seem to find it. He's looking for pills, he's looking for water, his stomach hurts. He's, he's, I think he's dying of hunger, isn't he? A savior in what I grew up calling a Hawaiian shirt enters with a bucket of Cap'n Kelly chicken and a red rocket soda. Yep. You've always been there for me, buddy. <laughs> and the man says, anything you need, you can count on me. I just like this shot because it's so, he's in pain, he's doubled over, and then this hero just walks in, and then just like slow motion eating this chicken and stuff, and yeah, I'll always be there for you, and then it's just like utter happiness, and we get to this camera. Yeah, so what I call the GoPro dream. Right, yeah, yeah. By his bed. It has an image of the dream still on it, so you know exactly what it's doing. Yeah. And that is a great quick visual cue. You know it's recording it. He takes the memory stick over. He puts it in for, I guess, tax assessment. Dream tax. Because <laughs> it's not enough to be advertising in your dreams, but we have to tax you on them too. We're going to hard cut then to a drive through at Cap'n Kelly's. Yep. Already I went, oh, so that dream was an ad. Did you catch on that quickly as well? Yeah. So I think, I don't know. I don't think the movie's trying to be smart in any way. Like through the whole thing. I think everything is like... Blip, there it is. If you want to go a little bit deeper, you can. But I think on a first watch, you can pretty much go through this and get everything. I was wondering, though, if they played their hand a bit too early, because our main character won't figure that out for about 40 minutes. Yeah, well, I have a theory about that. Okay. I think, for me, it was a little early, but I love the fact that it wasn't hidden. This right. isn't it's not the, like the big reveal. Yeah, this Ooh. isn't the big twist at the end of the movie. Right. Because that definitely wouldn't have worked. <laughs> no. Not with the way they made this anyway. Right. And this is great storytelling that you can do so little, so quick within 
the space of maybe a minute, two minutes. Right. I know that he was in a dream. I know that it was recorded. I know it was assessed. And I know that the dream made him go to Captain Kelly's and how impressionable he is because he ended up buying that weird chicken, chicken shake, shake. <laughs> that he seemed very disappointed by it. Yeah, he's just so disgusted with himself after he ordered it as well. He's just like, I'll get the chicken shake. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get the impression that the drive through was an AI as well? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it obviously some kind of robot. I didn't think it was a real person behind that, yeah. It's almost like talking to the robot machine. He's like, can I interest you in the new chicken shake? He's like, chicken shake? One chicken shake? No, 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 wait, I didn't order it. Delete that. Yeah, the way that interaction happened made it feel like this is not a real person he's talking yeah, cause to. because it's supposed to be 2035, I think, is the date on this, which is odd. Again, I think I can come back to that later on because analog radios, VHS tapes everywhere, something's off, something's weird. Yeah, okay. If you have a theory for that, I have a different theory, probably. Or maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> he eats in an empty parking lot, which I'm curious, was that to show the desolation of small businesses, or was it just really cheap to film there? <laughs> like, maybe free since there's free. no stores. Yeah. Either way, it works. Yep. But as he's eating, there's just this mossy, grass-covered figure standing in front of him for a brief moment, and then it's gone. So when I saw this guy, I was like, aha, it's the Burry Man. Do you know, have you ever heard of the Burry Man? Probably not, because it's a Scottish thing. But I don't think so. I thought it was more famous than that, but maybe, maybe it isn't. The Burry Man is, it's like a guy covered in, it looks like a ghillie suit, basically, right? He's covered in moss and tree stuff, and basically what they would call, they call them the Burry Man because they would get all the burrs and use it as Velcro, basically, and like, attach foliage to someone and then they'd parade him down a street and it was basically used as a way to ward off evil kind of guarantee like a good harvest or a good catch in the in the ocean or something like that i don't know who's first but they've got the bury man in scotland they still do today in edinburgh they still have a parade of him there's also their equivalent one in england there's another one in ireland and they've all got different names do they still use actual burrs, or have they upgraded the technology they so might somebody have doesn't have to get poked by burrs the whole time? <laughs> Records have it from like a few hundred years ago, but it could be thousands of years old. But the other ones don't look exactly like this. The Scottish one looks exactly like this guy. So I was really blown away by this, because I've seen this before. So it shocked me seeing this for the first time in a film. And he does pop up again in the movie several times, and also in different forms. And so immediately I've got this in my head where it's like, oh, this is some kind of premonition for warning or some kind of ward against evil. I know something bad's going to happen. Unless it's got nothing to do with the Burry Man at all, but it's uncanny how exact it is. My guess is it has nothing to do mm. with it. But go with it. Go yeah. with it. Fill in that gap. I'm totally <laughs> fine with that one. Our main character is called James Preble. Though I think for the first 40 minutes, I think he's only referred to as Preble. Or... Pebble in my ears, because I couldn't hear the R. I was like, I thought everybody was calling him like, oh, Pebble, like, oh, sweetie pie, you know. <laughs> he seems like something from the past. His clothes, his car, everything about him yeah. seems like an old school business office worker. Yeah. Which is, I think, their intention. I think that's what they were going for. His destination is a pink house alone in a field. Pink, very similar to the pink from his dream. Mm -hmm. He has to walk through a grass field to get there. There's no path or anything. Yeah. 
Arabella Isadora lives far off the beaten path. So far, she doesn't even have a path to get to the house. <laughs> it's not even beaten, yeah. She answers the door. She seems very happy to see him. Wearing some kind of Emmett Brown device on her head. <laughs> Lots of LEDs, exactly. I'm going to refer to it as the glowing helmet from now on. Fair enough. <laughs> She's so quirky and weird. I loved her from the very first second we saw her. Right. <laughs> loved her kind of through... She makes Preble eat a bit of ice cream before entering with that absolute extreme close-up of his tongue and the title Strawberry Mansion. <laughs> I actually wrote that down right here as well. Yeah, exactly the exact same thing, where it's like the extreme close-up, the title. I love this, and it comes back later. But what I found weird was when she answers the door, he's like, are you Bella, whatever, Isabella? And she's like, hang on a second, I'll go and get her. And then she goes away, and then comes back. It's obviously the same person. It's like... Why did you say that? I loved her right from the start. She's quirky. She's eccentric. This kind of character in this kind of movie makes me very happy. And so I just took her saying that as something just quirky. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe there's some meaning to it in the fact that she's wearing the helmet. And when she's wearing the helmet, she's not herself. Mm -hmm. But actually, the helmet makes her more herself because she's not being influenced. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure I quite understand that. I just let it go. He is there because she sent him a letter. She has no tax record, and he's there to do an audit. There's an interview where he asks for her occupation, and she just goes off on all these so many different things. <laughs> just rambling on and on. Well, I write a song here, I paint sometimes, I make statues, I consider myself an atmosphere creator. And he just writes, artist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she still uses the old VHS recorder, and he says, you know, air sticks have become mandatory seven years ago. And she's like, yeah, well, I'm old-fashioned. Yeah. Well, and obviously so is he, and I think that that's part of their connection. Mm -hmm. Let's go ahead and talk real quick now about the VHS. Do you want to talk about your theory, or is it tie into everything at the end? Probably at the end. Okay. My theory is, one, it's probably pretty cheap to do. Two. It's a real indicator visually that this is old tech mm -hmm. because it's very easy to show his air stick that he pulls out of his ear or whatever mm -hmm. that's super small and sleek versus clunky old VHS. And, and that giant headset yeah. is so obviously a cardboard box with two paper cups stuck on the front as eye, eye sockets. But did remind me a bit of Videodrome. I wrote that down here as well, man. That's like, we've had like same notes, like four for four now. Yeah, video. I got Videodrome vibes from this. In fact, I had to look it up. I was like, wasn't that what the Videodrome was? Yeah. Yeah. So I would not be at all surprised if this was inspired by that. Mm -hmm. I think having the VHS, it's a very good way to even just subconsciously say, this is tech that is modern but out of date right without really having to over explain it and i kind of like the idea of when they first were creating this technology the easiest way to mm. do it would be to use an old tech recording device that somehow putting it onto tape was easier at first than trying to figure out how to make it digital right and that works for me mm -hmm. and it does lead to having big goofy devices <laughs> that I love seeing on screen. So I'm all for it. And also, he uses a dictaphone with a cassette to record, though. That's another weird thing that struck me. It's like, wouldn't the government issue you with something decent? 
I made that note as well. I added that to part of him being old fashioned right. as well. I don't even know where he would get the tapes for those anymore. <laughs> but maybe in the future, we've Tri- got like a decade for them to come back into yeah, style. Maybe. There are a lot of tapes. There's something like 2,000 or more tapes he's going to have to go through, which makes me wonder how that works. Is it like the old tapes that you'd have to record over them? Oh, that was a boring dream. I'll record over <laughs> that one. Or do you keep all of them? If you keep all of them, 2,000 is not that many. Depends, though. I mean, if you think about it, dreams feel like two hours long, but they're only a few minutes. So you could possibly store thousands of dreams on a single tape. If that's the case, then yes. Especially long play. (laughs) (laughs) An extended long play where you make it six hours. No one knows what we're talking about. (laughs) Hopefully. Somebody out there does. Yeah, I'm sure someone does. On mine, it was SLP. Super long play. But I think you could. I think you could, if that's the case. If you're just recording... The 30 seconds. But it pops out in the morning when he, he has to use her old machine as he's sleeping. So that made me think, oh, maybe they take a whole tape, but maybe they don't. So I'll let you fill in that gap. I think that that works, saying that you could fit many onto one. Because if she hasn't filled up more than 2,000 tapes in seven years, that doesn't seem like enough to me. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Still a lot. But... It's still a lot. But imagining that you would have one per night. And she seems like the type of person that would keep all her dreams. Again, though, maybe if you have recurring dreams that she's seen to, then maybe you don't keep all of them, too. True. He says, after she refers to the 2000 tapes, I think he says, oh, well, I better get working. And she says, I better go make tea. (laughs) (laughs) And at that point, he's bothered by a fly. He's been looking around and the fly starts to bother him. I think the fly is meant to be her in the future, right? Because they're... There's one scene where it is her. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not necessary here and it's kind of weird. Or perhaps this is also a dream. Well, that's going to play into, I think, a lot of your theory, That's my big theory, yeah. Okay. She insists that he stays in her home, even though he probably shouldn't. You're going to stay in Sugar Baby's room. Sugar Baby won't mind. We found out Sugar Baby is a tiny turtle. (laughs) He starts to work. This is where he puts on what we've both referred to as a Videodrome-esque headset. with. A tube coming out of it. <laughs> Just Huge. a vacuum cleaner tube. Yeah. It's brilliant how it's all cobbled together. Fantastic. The dream is in a field. There's a hot air balloon, which costs 35000 so that's 52 cents tax. There's a maple tree, which is $500, tax 8 cents. And I went through a few of these. There doesn't seem to be an exact percentage. <laughs> Jesus, man. Are you kidding me? That's exactly what I did as well. I was like looking at the things and I, you know I'm not the maths guy here but I was like that's why I thought I, I like, needed to do this because I was sure you wouldn't because I was like this is three cents this is 50 cents it doesn't seem to be a lot of difference in the price is there a tax percentage and the only thing I can come away with is no it's not it's different taxes for different items so if you have I don't know organic things it's cheaper than man-made things that's the only thing I could come away with so the hot air balloon is incredibly expensive compared with the buffalo, which was only a few cents or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but the taxes, they seemed just arbitrary, really. The buffalo is 5000 It's 25 cents tax. All right, so that would make it more expensive than the hot air balloon then? I don't I've got no idea. I think that it just comes down to some sort of weird system just, that they, they just set made up. It up. Just like buffalo, 20 cents, there you go. I think this is something that they probably actually didn't really think about. They no. just thought... 
oh, this will be funny. Let's just do this. And we're going to be sitting here analyzing it <laughs> way more What's than the we tax rate in the future. <laughs> so I couldn't, in my head, come up with that. Maybe our listeners will. Maybe mm. they will see it and go, oh, we think that this is the reason why some things are more than others. Right. Nothing seems to be over a dollar, though. That's true. Yeah. So everything seems to be under a dollar. I mean, maybe there's something amazing that you would, oh, if you get a, on a rocket to space, then that's going to cost you $2 or something. But <laughs> it's awful the thought, though, of having to pay for what your dreams just happen to have in them. Yeah. You don't really control that. Mm-hmm. Though my theory is that the ads maybe help pay for that tax. Right. But it's hidden from you. Mm-hmm. That's part of my theory about how this world works. But I love the visual of the circle that pops up and we get the cost and the tax. Yeah. Simple, quick. You don't have to over explain it. Mm-hmm. This movie doesn't do exposition very much. And that's great. Yeah. And even he is a different color. So there's no, he's like this blue television static almost. And so we know he's not part of this world. We know he can't interact with it. And they've shown us, they show us several times throughout different dreams that he's not there, even though sometimes you think he might be. It's all, yeah, no, expositionless. We see young Bella for the first time in what we're pretty much always going to see her in, the white dress. Yeah. She smiles seemingly at Preble, but she's probably more just smiling at the scene behind him, as is kind of indicated in something we're going to see later. She's watching a caterpillar in her hand, which seems like nothing, but then that becomes important later. Mm Mm-hmm. A horn sounds, it's her father. She says, I miss you, Dad. And he says, like, I miss you too. And he goes over and puts his arm inside the buffalo and pulls out a dandelion. One dollar, three cents tax. <laughs> three cents. Yeah, so three percent for this. I can work that one out. She blows the seeds, they fade off. In reality, Preble is writing a note. He takes a drink of tea and then pulls out of his mouth a dandelion seed. Yeah, so does it come from the tea? Or does it come from the dream? That is the ambiguity that's Mm. keeping us here and talking about it today. Downstairs, Preble sees a glass case with a rodent skeleton and an aluminum foil hat. And there's a key in there. It's like a mini version of the dream catcher kind of machine, isn't it? And the key never comes into play, does it? I don't think so. Unless this is symbolic in some way. Right. Unless maybe it was used and they just didn't cut it. Or they cut the part out where they used the key, maybe. We're going to then go into a graveyard dream. Bella is playing the violin. A skeleton comes out of the grave and plays the horn. So we can assume that it's her father. Yeah. Which is great because this is like straight out of Jason and the Argonauts style, isn't it? It's brilliant. I love this. There's no CGI. I don't know. Is there CGI in this movie? There must be a little bit. I think there has to be some to cover up some of the wires. Like definitely on the island, there's some CGI. But for the most part, everything is makeup, costumes, like real puppetry and real masks real animal masks it's done really well and stop motion yes and so stop motion, there would be some with the stop motion to put that skeleton into the scene right in and of itself would sort of be cg but it's not cg animated right so i think that's the difference so you would have to use some computer graphics to hide some of the framework of the skeleton and things probably but overall yeah it's primarily physical special effects mm. <laughs> and that's so refreshing to see in a modern movie as well. Yeah, and then after that we see the... I'm just going to keep calling him the Burryman, sorry. The guy covered in, in, in grass. We see the Burryman again. 
but then he just gets yanked out of the dream, yeah? Yeah, because in reality, Bella was watching him work. Yeah. She says, you're smiling. How did she see him under the thing? He's got that big thing covering his face. How did she know she was smiling? <laughs> I think she's guessing because she knows him. Or maybe she laughed. Or maybe he laughed. Or yeah, yeah, she knows him. Yeah. She has dinner for him, which is a tomato and avocado sandwich. Which she insists on. <laughs> yeah. He watches TV, but it's just shapes. And I love the television in this because the television is just so bright. It's like a slideshow of just you images. You can't make out anything on it. It's like you just see the outline of people on the television. Well, I think there was a helix in there. Yeah, there was something. And then there was like an f- outline of like a person. But it's great because it's like the television is just so bland compared to the dreams. Like life is so bland, seems like, compared to the dreams. A fly in the web tells Preble he's in danger and says, dream of me. Yeah, they're trying to kill you. He's going to walk into a different room and he sees Bella's art, <laughs> which is pretty wild. Yeah, I got a feeling that, that is... Because I, I paused that. I was looking around for clues in that scene, right? And I couldn't see it. I was like, this is just someone's studio. <laughs> this is just someone's real life art studio, isn't it? I think so. It's a lot of work to put into a two second two shot. Seconds. Yeah, this is like, can we film your, your room? Yeah, go for it. But it did look like the type of thing she might be creating. Sure. He's going to walk downstairs, put the dish in the sink. He's going to hear the piano, which is the turtle. Sugar baby. Yeah. <laughs> Playing the piano. <laughs> He's going to pick up Sugar Baby, put it in the tank, and then Preble is going to play Row, Row, Row Your Boat. Of course he is, because life is but a dream. And Bella is smoking a pipe on the porch and smiles. Uh, another dream. We see Pebble through fly eyes, and then the fly is caught in the web, and the ad man, I'm just going to call him from now on. Sure. Buddy. Buddy, our ad man, he offers bug spray. Oh, it's so fun. It's fun. Look at killing spiders. <laughs> woo Buddy stops Bella from joining. He says he has all he needs. He can get anything he wants from me. And then Buddy continues spraying, laughing, and eating chicken at the same time. <laughs> Preble is going to wake up, a VHS tape ejects, so he's using Bella's old tech here. Mm -hmm. Outside, Bella is feeding chickens. They have scrambled eggs, toast, and strawberries for breakfast outside. She asks how long he's been working for his job, and he said, oh, I've been working for 15 years. Do you enjoy it? Yes, I do. Do you enjoy my dreams? Which Mm -hmm. I thought was a very interesting question to ask. Yeah. We're going to go into a restaurant dream where a frog waiter, the huge giant head <laughs> with a very deep voice. Yes. I find it quite pleasing. Why, thank you. <laughs> Do you sing? No. No, I, I play, play saxophone. saxophone. <laughs> and then the saxophone just appears and he starts playing. A bird is going to fly around and Preble at one point thinks she is smiling at him. And she says, hello, friend. But then he glitches out and we can see that she's actually looking at the bird on the yeah. chair. This is where the waiter is going to offer a free bucket of chicken for the inconvenience of having the bird fly around. <laughs> but the buckets are all staticky. Yeah, they're like censored or something like that. Which I loved. Yeah. I went, okay, good. We're getting into it. This is where she basically has ad blocker. Yeah. <laughs> In reality, at dinner, there's a whistle sound that only Preble hears. And a beat moves on his plate. We see glimpses of young Bella who says, do you want to kiss me? Yeah. And then it flashes back to the older Bella. Did you notice something about this scene? Did you 
see that her makeup seemed whiter, like almost, not Joker white, but it seemed thicker and like it really freaked me out. I didn't notice that. Uh, I'll have to see if... I, maybe I'm going mad. I'll put two pictures. Maybe it's the lighting was a little bit different for the different part, but there's some point where it's like... It's almost like clown makeup to me. Like It looked really, really deep. I think part of it is when we're looking at her through flames, that that might right, okay. alter things. And maybe they lit her much more brightly because it's meant to be through flames. So you can see the line around her neck and stuff like that where the white is. It was weird. It was weird. I don't, I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm dreaming. <laughs> Well, check it out. Yeah. I didn't really notice it. I was more interested in what was happening all around. Preble is going to excuse himself. Thunder rolls on outside. Young Bella says, I need to see you again. Preble tells older Bella, I think I'm losing my mind. And Bella says, it's about time. Yeah, that's a great line. She's been waiting for it to happen. Yeah. Bella tells Preble, ads are being injected into our dreams. Here's the light helmet. Jim and I developed this together, my second husband, Jim and I, which is why, again, I think that we haven't really been told his name until later, his first name. Right. I think he's Preble throughout. Preble takes the helmet and sleeps. We're going to see the fly, the face, his face in the mirror from when he was trying to kind of cool himself oh, that's right. yeah. earlier. But in this one, in the dream one, his face just becomes meat or something meat, yeah it just falls apart it's like something out of the old peter gabriel sledgehammer video the ad man is going to offer him some toothpaste because apparently he's out minty fresh <laughs> but it's through the window because he's locked out of the pink room at the moment right, yeah the ad man says you can't keep me out and the whole dream shakes the ad man is suddenly inside the pink room there's a knock on the door the ad man suffers and he goes staticky and glitchy mm. bella enters says, hi, Preble. The pink walls fall, and we are outside the pink house. We are going to see him walk around, I think, where we see our first VHS tape-covered figure. Yeah. Walking around. He wakes, he takes off the helmet, and he actually sees the VHS figure in the house, in what I'm going to label as reality. Yeah. going. So that's the bit when he goes down, like, down the stairs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a bit creepy. Preble talks with Bella. She doesn't know if others are aware of this. Mm. As far as she knows, she's the only one. Preble says, well, what do I do with this? And she says, that's up to you. He asks, why did you bring me here? And she said, I wanted someone to share my dreams with. Mm -hmm. Which is an absolutely beautiful line. And it fits so well with a movie about dreams. Right. It's double meaning. It just plays very, very well here. She gives Preble a tape with a star on it. And says, you and I are connected more than you know. We see the house and the rain and we fade to black. Now for me, this is an absolutely excellent short film. And this would be like a 10 out of 10 short film for me. It has all the elements of a story already. But then we go further and I can understand why they would want to. Mm -hmm. But it does at times after this, for me, feel a bit stretched. And some of the connections seem a real stretch. <laughs> if, if that makes sense but for you it's not because i've already you know, i think you've hinted strongly enough that for you this is all going to be a dream so it doesn't really matter yeah it doesn't really have to make sense yeah because this is where it completely goes off the rails so that's why you don't like it and maybe why i do like it yeah and that's very fitting yeah and that's why it's great to have more than one opinion on mm -hmm. a movie like this preble is going to wake happy downstairs bella is dead 
Prevla's going to speak to the cops. We're going to see the body taken away. He feeds Sugar Baby a strawberry, and he feeds a chicken by hand. He packs up the star tape. He carries the helmet. And he's going to take it with him, but then he doesn't. Yeah, he was going to leave it on her bed, I believe. And then we get a clip of a conversation, which I think is from earlier. I th- I've got this written down as a flashback as well, yeah. Okay. I think this was meant to be that breakfast outside that's continued on. Bella has an estranged son. They don't see eye to eye. His father was an evil man. Unfortunately, he takes after him. But my second husband was a dream. And in this case, literally a dream. (laughs) The doorbell rings. It stops the memory. Peter's at the door. Peter is her son. I feel like I recognize this guy, but I don't. But I like him as a bad guy. He's He's a good actor. This was fantastic. The way he walks in... The way he's just looking at stuff just disdainfully. Kind of any sorrow or whatever. I'm sorry about your loss. Oh, yeah. yeah she well, was she was old. So I guess it's to be expected. Yeah. <laughs> just not really caring. Not looking around. Yeah, he's just like picking up stuff and like whatever junk, you know? Not looking at stuff that I think that I would, where I'd be going through and touching stuff and like having memories. Memories and stuff. Yeah, exactly. He's just like, eh, whatever. It's very cold. Yeah. In, out, invites Preble to dinner. Done. Yeah, exactly. We'll meet for dinner in the house where she just died today. Like, let's just have dinner in here tonight. (laughs) That's a bit weird. Preble puts in the star tape. He is the grass man. Yes. Bella uncovers him, and they have these other scenes of him in the grass, as there's a voiceover of him reading. But I couldn't find what this was i didn't know what i didn't even bother to look it up because i didn't have time just some kind of poetry i guess like that would be my guess i found stuff that seemed very similar so i do wonder if they wrote this okay but possibly not i mean I if you type, if you did you type in a line into google if it didn't i typed in a number of lines and nothing popped up which surprised me mm. it sounded so much like it should be right if they wrote this fantastic mm-hmm. but if not listeners you know what it was let me know because i'm very curious <laughs> but i just couldn't find it they look happy but peter of course is going to interrupt for dinner yes dinner which happens to be captain kelly chicken and red rocket <laughs> which i wondered do you think that it's just coincidence or do you think he brought that because he's very aware of what preble dreams of well i mean does that or does that Or it's just the fact that this is still a dream. It could be. It could also just be that's how commercial is that you just always have this. Or maybe in this world there's only fried chicken from this people for dinner. There's no side dishes, though. Yeah, yeah. It's just a bucket of chicken and some Coke. Yeah. Well, no. Red Rocket, I think, is probably something different. Well, I think if it's like the red colas that we have at home, Mm. they're usually more like a fruit flavor of some sort. Ah, okay. Could be strawberry flavor. I didn't say it before, though, and I probably should have, that in that brief meeting first, this is the time where I think we learn that Preble's first name is James, because he introduces himself to Peter, or Peter already knows his name. Ah, okay. I didn't even, I didn't hear that. He he introduced himself as that. I just always made the assumption, well, Jim is short for James anyway, isn't it? So Yeah, but I don't think that we've ever heard his first name throughout the first 40 minutes of the movie. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, I I get what you mean. It's only, I think, after the first fade to black that we have that now we get that. And we can make that connection. We can make that connection, yeah. His family, like Peter's family, the wife you might recognize if you watch Orange is the New Black because she was 
Yogi Jones than that. Okay. The son, Brian, he just seems a bit off. <laughs> they both seem <laughs> a, little, a bit, off. bit off. Yeah. <laughs> Peter asks them to go through the mother's belongings, and we start hearing tapes being smashed. Mm. And Preble goes and sees it, and he's upset. Two reasons. I think one is, obviously, he doesn't like the fact that they're just destroying Bella's dreams. But yep. also, from a professional standpoint, and that's the one he uses, you can't just destroy those. It's evidence. We're still in the middle of the audit. Yes, my job is done because I deal with the living, but the government is not done with it yet. Right. I have to report it. Yeah. And also, maybe he just wanted to see them because he enjoys them. Well, I think so. And that's why I said the first reason that he, d- he doesn't want her dreams destroyed Mm -hmm. but i think i think he hid all of that behind his official right this is yeah this is official business preble is going to put in the star tape and i mean does it not bother you that he didn't even bother to shut the door let alone lock it (laughs) yeah i've just made a really big threat on this guy and they're all they're a bit weird yeah i'm just gonna go upstairs and go back to work and i haven't called for any police or anything probably doesn't have a cell phone probably still he probably still uses a beeper (laughs) he must have a way i'm assuming bella must have a phone or (laughs) something but peter's gonna bash him over the head with a bowling pin and we're gonna cut to black Mm -hmm. preble is ghostly and static his head is bleeding he stumbles about Peter now has a wolf's head. Martha is in <laughs> the dining room, I think, stirring a cauldron of chicken. <laughs> yeah, with a, a witch's broom, basically. Yeah, yeah. The son looks diseased. Like a zombie. I guess I, I was just going for a zombie, witch, and werewolf, I think, yeah? Mm-hmm. That's what they do, that death to all bad boys. You've been a bad boy. I love when he just stumbles around. He's like, I'm really sorry, I've been a bad boy. <laughs> he's just trying to get back to his room or something like that. He will... Hide in a closet. Bella is there. They're going to swim out. So he has to hold his breath and they... Fall at the sky. (laughs) Into the sea. We're going to cut to black. I think just before he falls in the sea, we cut to black. And then they arrive at their small island. This is the part where I was like, okay. It's okay, but it does start to go a bit long for me. Because this is a montage of their life together. Mm Mm-hmm. I have a real problem with this, and I'm not sure why. There's a very famous Star Trek The Next Generation episode where Picard basically lives a life in an episode, and it's amazing, and that one always works for me. But this one, they try to convey that, oh, we were there for years in a dream, but it only takes five minutes. Right, yeah. I understand that in your dream you can think that seven years have passed, but... It doesn't really pass. And trying to give me the idea that, oh, we had all this time together doesn't quite work when we're talking about a real dream. Yeah. But, I mean, I think isn't the point that James is real and they have had all that time together and so they're just dreaming little snippets of that time together. I think that that may fit into your theory. Mine, it doesn't quite. But maybe that's why yours will work better because, to me, I like it. I think it's a bit, at this point, it starts to get into very exposition. It's a lot of voiceover from here on out, and I don't like that as much. Mm. For a movie where the first 40 minutes did so great with its storytelling visually and quickly, now it's full of montages and voiceover, and 
for stuff that I'm like, I don't know that that really happened. Yeah, the, the only thing that stuck out for me that I didn't like was the coincidence that Peter is this CEO of this big ad company and it's like all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's like he's the big bad and he's the reason all these advertisements are in dreams and things like that. But what I do appreciate about it is he's like, but why? And he's like, to make money. It's like there's no big evil plot behind it, like to get back at at you for, you know, stealing my mom away from my family kind of thing, which is maybe why he's coming after Jim. I don't know. But no, it's money. It's just profit. That's it. Yeah. And I think that's good. I think let's leave it that simple motivation. And that's basically why I thought he wanted to destroy everything. Anyway, I suspect in my version of the movie, my understanding that Peter knew about the ad blocker and wanted that destroyed and was worried that it might be mentioned in some of the dreams. So he wanted those destroyed as well Mm. because that would cost him money. Yeah. If everyone switches on ad block, then yeah. In the voiceover, we're going to get, Preble says, oh, they had plenty of food to eat. They made games on the beach. They danced a lot, which that for me was like, okay. They also made him a blimp and he floated away, which you probably loved. I loved it. (laughs) <laughs> like okay come on get back to the get back to the story because he's just been knocked out yeah like there's other things going on here they also they turn into beats which is part of the thing from before the table and the whistle at younger preble and that's where these dreams start to connect into what i have been referring to as reality mm-hmm. and they also go back in time and that for me doesn't work in my theory which is why I think yours is going to make so much more sense and it will work so much better. But for me, if there's no reality, I lose a lot of interest in this movie. Mm -hmm. If it's all dreams, then none of it is real. None of it really matters. Yeah, that's true. So for me, I need a grounding. So I'm going to say that somehow the dreams are working backwards into reality. It makes no sense. Inception. Dreamception. Yeah, except it's the same problem. Yeah. So I'm going to say it just doesn't work for me because of that. And I can't quite take your theory in because if I don't have reality, then the whole thing for me becomes pointless. Mm. So (laughs) it's doomed either way with me. (laughs) Yeah, I hope I don't ruin it for you completely then. But that first 40 minutes is so fantastic. It is. And the visuals here are fun. Like him being turned into a blimp, it's fun, but it's just taking away from what I wanted in the story. But for people who love, just want to see these kind of visuals, maybe it's the difference between somebody who loves to play walking simulators versus somebody who gets really annoyed by them. (laughs) Preble is going to bleed even in the dream, the ad man arrives... And that's kind of his sim- is is like signal for wake up time, isn't it? Every time the blood comes, is like bleeding back into reality, which I like. I yeah. think that that's really it's simple and it works, and you don't have to over explain it. Yeah. Bella says that Peter's son is the one behind the dream ads, and in reality, Peter puts Preble in a bed and hits him again. Oh, they- he's just, just he's waking up. Yeah. All right, night night again. <laughs> Cut to black again. We have two my sailors on a ship. This is the one that really gets me, where it's like, oh, we searched for her for seven years, and every night we couldn't find her. And I'm like, yeah, you're getting in the dream exactly what we are. You will realize in your head, you will understand that seven years have passed, but you haven't felt those seven years. And I, I feel like they're trying to make us understand that, oh, 
he felt those seven years. And isn't that romantic that he had those seven years where he searched for her? But really, it's about a minute. Yeah. How, uh, no, the house isn't on fire yet, but yeah, it's a, a two minutes tops. <laughs> and there's a similar Doctor Who episode I've complained to you about right. before, which I, I'm sure you know the one, but I'm not going to talk about it because it'd be a spoiler and it'd be a whole nother hour of me ranting. They never find her on the ship. They do find a caterpillar that says he once knew a woman in a white dress and the caterpillar scrubbing the decks. <laughs> and I think we're meant to believe that it's the caterpillar that we saw in the beginning. Yeah, with her like moving it from hand the to furry, hand. The furry caterpillar. Peter, in reality, is going to set fire to the curtains. The blue demon, a huge blue demon, which looks pretty cool, appears yeah. out in the sea. Preble's foot is on fire in the dream. He's going to end up leaving the ship and entering a kitchen where the blue demon is just sitting down to dinner. He pulls on a chain and makes Bella, who's attached to the chain, serve them each a blue liquid. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that the demon mask, the eyes glow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Then <laughs> he's going to cook, like the demon is going to cook, sort of cook some hamburger. Mm -hmm. Not really. <laughs> it's like five pounds of hamburger that get a little brown on the outside. And I was just thinking, I, it totally took me out of the movie because I was thinking how disgusting the mask must have gotten. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Putting that kind of half-cooked meat in. Yeah, because it's not even like the mouth opens. It just like kind of stuffs it in. <laughs> it just all stuck to the front of the mask. And then you cut to, oh, there's no meat in there anymore. Yeah. Some, someone's job was to clean that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's at one point where the demon screams, but the scream is the fire alarm from reality, mm -hmm. which I like because I do... Like when reality kind of cuts into dreams and you have to, well, your mind makes excuses for why you're hearing that sound because that's a very real thing that happens. Yeah. So I, I did like that. I think that was just before he cooks the hamburger, but as he's cooking the hamburger, he's having a demon buddy of his own, an ad man who's holding up salt and then he just covers the hamburger <laughs> yeah. in salt. The demon is going to go pray and go to sleep and leave the key in a really easy to get place. When I, when I saw this, I was just thinking cre creepy tale. <laughs> like <Yeah. it> just... <laughs> It's a pretty good connection. Yeah. They easily escape and he's going to, in the fire, he's going to see both versions of Bella alternating. Mm -hmm. Here's another weird thing. And I'm not sure how I feel about it. Bella knows he's on fire. She knows about the reality that's going on. So is this Preble's subconscious understanding what's going on and trying to tell him what's going on? Or is Bella just somehow aware of what's going on in the real world? This breaking of the fourth wall from the dream into reality is really weird for me, and I'm not sure if it works. I think maybe this happened in real life, and so Bella does know. I think maybe her husband died in a fire. So she does know about it. He's, <laughs> according to Bella, he's going to have to turn into a caterpillar because he's bleeding again. You've got to get out there mm -hmm. and you can't stay here forever because you're going to burn. And if you burn, then there's no more dreaming, mm. which again, to me, I take as he's reality. And if he, if he does die here, he dies. But for you, it's sort of an inception thing throughout the dreams, mm. I think. He should be more worried about the smoke inhalation. Should be. Yeah. Should be. 
He's going to, as the caterpillar, swim across the sea, crawl through the deserts. Yeah, very dune-like there. <laughs> get, get through the sandstorm and the snowstorm that lasted centuries. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is where, I'm, come on, that just goes too far for it's me. Like, it's like the minions trying to find New York, you know? Like. <laughs> yeah, well, that didn't work for me either. He becomes himself again, but he ends up in the ad house. Adman says, you need me. I gave you everything you needed. Preble is buried in painted trash. Solid color egg and milk cartons. Really simple, really cheap. I love this. Yeah. This works very well. But he is going to remember, oh, Bella as a fly said, remember to dream of me when you're in danger. And there's actually a bit more that she says here than we got in the earlier scene. But he does, and she arrives, and she saves him. Because he can't breathe under this very loose trash, I guess. Yeah. The ad man glitches as Preble is now wearing the helmet she brought for him. All the dream characters are cheering for them as they pop into a bubble and float away. But then Peter becomes the wolf. And Preble knows something is wrong. Preble and Bella start to burn in space. Preble <laughs> <laughs> like, is just coming in as two, two asteroids. just <laughs> With their faces. Yeah. And she says, wait, of course. The ice cream. Land in the ice cream or something. So <laughs> we have to, again, see the extreme close of a, him licking the ice cream to say that that's how this all began. Possibly. Yeah. That's my understanding is like, oh, that's the connection. And that builds the circle. That builds this loop. Preble wakes and runs outside. He's going to return for Sugar Baby, the helmet, and the star tape. He sees VHS tape figure on the way out. Cut to black. He's now at home, he feeds Sugar Baby, he watches the tape, and he walks off with Bella and smiles. The voiceover of him reading the poetry again and light happy music. I think this is meant to be a happy ending. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's a problem. It's not for, <laughs> it's not for me, for a number of reasons. Uh -huh. Let me do that first. Cool, yeah, go for it. Because I'd rather end on a happier note, which I think is <laughs> the attitude that you will have, or the tone that you will have. One is a VHS tape. And we grew up in the VHS era. We know how crappy they are. They will get destroyed. So unless he's made a million copies of this, and even if he has, each copy will have more glitches the more you copy it. Yeah. This is a limited time thing he's got. Mm -hmm. Remember, I'm coming from it that this is reality, that this is him, this is him at the end. Yeah. And the other problem I have is that he's happy to sit here and have this dream of her with her. But that's all he has now. And to me, this feels a bit depressing because it feels like he had this love with her. It was very, very brief. And in many cases, it was only in dreams. Mm -hmm. And those dreams are all he has now. And he will neglect to actually live because all he cares about is this dream life. Yeah, he'd be like the Videodrome people that are just like constantly connected to the television. It reminds me of something from Black Mirror, and Black Mirror typically does not end happy. Doesn't end well. <laughs> <laughs> and that, for me, it just feels like he's now doomed to live a life of... I mean, he had a boring life before, Yeah. and now he's got a life that seems interesting in his head, but he's not doing anything. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so, for me, that's kind of depressing. Right. It's like he's always going to be in love with this dream girl he met once in a dream and 
he will neglect to actually try to find love. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Do you really? I mean, okay. no, no, no. I mean, I've got a different theory, but I agree with your theory as well. I think that's, that's one way to look at it, and it's really good, and it is depressing and dark. And yeah, what an ending, like how to live your life like that, like living your life through someone else's dream, basically. Not living your own life. It could be a whole metaphor for not living your own dream. And I think that they left this movie open to a lot of interpretation. Right. And that's fine. I think that this is one of those movies that lean towards the art side of it. Mm-hmm. We've put it out. Now interpret it how you think. We've put lots of stuff in there with enough plot to keep it moving and not feel like it's just abstract. There is plot. There are characters. There is enough for somebody like me to watch it and a whole lot for somebody like you to just go crazy with. So that's me. And I think that that's also part of the reason why I'm not as big a fan of this as I probably could be is that I wanted the happy ending. And even though I think they tried to give it to me the way I look at this movie, I just don't see that. Mm -hmm. So what about you? Let's get into your dream. So the happy ending. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that obviously, well, not obviously, I think Jim is James and so that's her husband. I totally think that too, right. but that's where it starts to get a bit weird time-wise. Right. Here's the one thing though. Did you watch the credits? Did you watch I, the, did you watch it all the way to the end? Is what I'm going to ask, really. I didn't really watch. I clipped through like a, you know, 10 seconds yeah, at a yeah, time yeah. to see if, there if there's anything. Yeah. The only thing I got at the end was the sound of a tape ejecting. Right. And so that's part of my theory is that either Two things. One, we are watching someone's dream, just like he was. So we're essentially putting a VHS into a thing and watching someone else's full dream from start to finish. So we're just the observer, basically. Or this is just her dream and she's watching it. And so that's her real husband. He really died. And her, I think, I mean, I'm definitely filling in a lot of stuff towards the end there when I'm saying like, Peter was a bad son and basically Jim comes along and takes away his mother kind of thing and a new family and she's living her nice life and he goes off and becomes the big evil CEO and gets her back and maybe maybe killed his stepfather. If it would it be his stepfather? It would yeah, be it would be his stepfather. Killed his stepfather. Either she's watching this and just reliving her dreams and none of this is real, or we're watching it as viewers and still nothing is real, but we're just getting we're just getting the story. So Still a bit of an unhappy ending because, I mean, Jim is dead, I think, for sure. That's why she knows he's on fire, because that's playing in, because she knows about the because she's alive, obviously. So you think she's dreaming of a better alternate reality? Well, I think... Like, in, in her dream, she gets to save him. Maybe, or she gets to live with him on this island. Basically, she has to rescue him, maybe because of the whole ad block thing that her son invented. And then, so that kind of started messing with her dreams... And so she invented this thing where she could have her dreams to herself, but it's a bit of a struggle to get there. But in the end, yeah, it's like he still dies, you know, um, because maybe, you know, death is inevitable, whatever. But she can, but she's still got all those tapes from the middle where she can just watch them. But we, maybe we as an auditor have come into this movie and we're just watching the whole thing. That, that was what I got from it. And it was all because of that last sound. Cause I was like, ah, the click, the, the eject button on the, on the VHS. We're the observer. So that was what I got out of it. I could totally see that. I think that that works. And I think that this is the type of movie where there could be multiple theories and they all could have valid arguments. And I'm not sure that the 
filmmakers really had that. They probably have one idea of how it worked in their mind, but there are two creators. Maybe they each had a different version of it in their mind too. And that can work in a movie like this. Yeah, this kind of movie wants open endings, doesn't it, really? And what I love about this kind of movie, even more than some crazy visuals and some interesting concepts, is that it does lead to this kind of conversation. Right. And a conversation where there is no right answer. And this kind of movie can spark interesting conversations on other topics as well. Yep. Talking about capitalism, talking about dreams and what they mean to us and dreams as the dreams we actually have in our sleep versus the dreams we have as far as goals in life. Mm -hmm. Strawberry Mansion, it's not one that I'm going to watch over and over again, I think. But I watched it twice before talking about it today, and I was quite happy to do so. And at some point, I might check it out again. And certainly, if they're going to put out something out like this again, I'd check it out. Yeah, intense visuals and decent story. Yeah, I like it made me realize that I'm more of an indie fan of movies than I originally thought I was. You know, it's like I really appreciate these kind of small budget films. Yeah, so it's like this came out probably, they probably filmed this either during the pandemic as well or or just before just edited before. throughout. Yeah, and yeah, the budget was only was 20 million. So a lot of that probably went into those masks <laughs> and uh, painting those egg cartons. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, cheap. Not 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 too cheap though. But I mean, cheap-ish indie movie. Yeah, I'm all for that. I'd love to see what they have next. Um, cut, it, all, cut all that. <laughs> we spent so much effort to get to that. It really interests me that you you've said this about games as well. Like, oh, I realize that I'm an indie game person, and it, it just now you're realizing you're an indie movie person after all the conversations we've had. <laughs> Oh yeah, I don't know. Maybe I've always felt like a bit of a fraud because I don't know. I just I'm not the kind of person that. Do you think that it makes you pretentious to say that you like indie stuff? Maybe, or maybe I just never. Maybe I've always just looked at things as movies, you know. So it's like, you know, when I when I was working in Blockbuster, we got that that single copy of Pie, and we all watched it, and we're like, that's that's freaking amazing, you know. It's like to me, it was always just a film. I was never in with the film crew, you know, like the film guys, you know. So I was never one of these like people that did like what was it, ain't it cool news and all that kind of stuff. I was never that kind of person. So for me, a film is all a film. But now I'm realizing that there's tiers of films that people do make distinctions between these budgets of movies, and you get these kind of films. I've always just looked at them as films, and so now I'm realizing, oh, I am an indie person like that. That's what I mean. I'm not. I'm, yeah, that's all. Yeah, that is odd. Yeah, but. Sounds like you filled in a gap for yourself. I'm a simple man. (laughs) Gaps filled and more gaps created. I think, what's going to be the sound for the spoiler section? I I don't know. Death to all bad boys. (laughs) It really freaked me out, man. I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, maybe I'll let you edit this one.